Hello everybody and welcome to Spotlight on STEM. The focus for today's podcast is chemistry and how it is used and applied in the world of work. Chemistry is often known as the central science. Everything around us is made up of chemicals and everything we interact with in our everyday lives involves chemistry. From the food we eat, the medicines we take, the clothes we wear, to the cleaning products we use in our homes. The study and understanding of chemistry has led to advancements in many aspects of the modern world and understanding some of the basic chemistry principles and concepts you are taught at school can really help you to understand more about the world around you. In today's episode you will get to hear some extracts of interviews I recently had with volunteers talking about their careers and how they use and apply chemistry in their jobs. If after listening you want to find out more about the volunteers and their careers, the full interviews will be released over the next week. So let's meet some of our volunteers to find out a bit about what they do and how and why chemistry is important in their roles. Hello there, I'm Dr Joanna Buckley. I am a chemical scientist and I work for the Royal Society of Chemistry. In my job, I promote chemistry and I work with teachers and trainee teachers, chemists in industry and at university. And I also work with students because I teach in a dedicated schools lab in the Department of Chemistry at the University of Sheffield too. So I kind of wear two hats. So my job involves quite a lot of regional travel. What I do a lot is talk to people. So I talk about chemistry and it really is my dream job because I love chemistry and I love talking. I first became interested in chemistry when I was bought a chemistry set when I was seven. And uh, my parents took a picture of me when I was first using my chemistry set. So I can pinpoint the specific day that I first became interested in it. None of my family are scientists. They've no idea where this love of science has come from. And to be fair, I was an absolutely terrible chemist to start with. So when I got my chemistry set when I was seven, I managed to spill methyl orange indicator on the carpet. Now, even if you don't know what methyl orange indicator is, just the fact it's got the word orange in it means it's bright orange. And I spilt it all over the dining room carpet at my my mum and dad's house. And my dad scrubbed hard to get it out and could never get it out. And when we changed the carpet, he cut round the stain. And we still have that as like a lasting memento as like the start of my chemistry journey essentially whenever anyone asks me what chemistry is I always say it's the science of stuff because I think that probably just about sums up what chemistry is it's the science of matter and the science of its properties and what I love about it is that it's the central science so it essentially connects and contributes to all aspects of life and all aspects of science. So knowing a bit about chemistry, you know bits about biology and you know bits about physics, and it allows you to understand other aspects of science better. And what I find amazing still is that everything we interact with every day involves chemistry, and that still blows my mind. I also really enjoy doing outreach and although my PhD research wasn't anything to do with food, I've become particularly passionate about food chemistry. The great thing about chemistry is knowing a bit about chemistry can take you really far. So by applying my chemical knowledge to food, I just thought it's a really interesting way of getting people who might not necessarily be interested in chemistry or think a lot about chemistry to become interested in it because I think Being interested in the things that surround you are the most exciting things. 
for chemists in general, they carry out a whole range of experiments, but it ultimately boils down to creating and analysing new substances. And you can do that both in the lab, like hands-on in the lab, and via computer models. As a chemist, you are constantly designing your own experiments. You have to be able to perform your own experiments. And you very quickly become very dexterous, so you become very good with your hands. And I think as a scientist, you've got to have all those facets. You've got to enjoy doing lots of different things. It's often a common misconception that as chemists, we always carry out our chemistry in a lab. Or if you study chemistry, your only two options are you can go and sort of be a, a chemist in a lab or you can be a teacher. And that's not true at all. It's true of some chemists. Some chemists do go on to become teachers and great teachers. Some chemists do go and work in a traditional lab. But a lab could be absolutely anywhere. It's not just like four walls with people walking around in white coats. I know chemists whose labs are spread all over the world. And some labs don't even have walls. It could be a mobile lab, like sampling ice cores from the poles. Or your lab could be an aeroplane collecting air samples from remote locations. Chemistry can take you literally anywhere. And I think that's probably the misconception that if you study a degree in chemistry, your options are narrowed. And that's totally like not true at all. Hi, my name's Colin Bennison. I work for AstraZeneca based in the northwest of England. The majority of my career has been in the manufacturing of medicines for clinical supplies. So these are medicines that are not yet fully on the market and are just being evaluated for future medicines. The bulk of that role has required me to work as a processing chemist and a manufacturing chemist. And I've had several different roles within that. So looking at the scale up from laboratory to plant, the translation of the process, and then actually being right through to my most recent manufacturing role was as a shift manager. So we would operate the plant 24 hours a day, and I'd be leading the team there who are actually delivering those medicines at that larger scale for the clinical supplies. But just very recently, last year or so, I've been focused on the actual long-term sustainability of our manufacturing and looking at all the cost and environmental impacts of our process and how we can improve that. And that's a changing picture. The demands from society, the demands from the industry are changing and are becoming more stringent. And we're looking to lessen our environmental impacts as much as possible. So that's a really exciting area where we can look to transform and do things completely differently in the future to how we've done them in the past. One of the key and really interesting things about chemistry is the chemistry that you are taught when you're 14, 15, it doesn't ever change. That chemistry is the same whether you're taught it in a school teaching lab or whether you're operating it on a plant at scale. If you mix baking powder and vinegar, you're going to get fizzing and you're going to get a lot of gas given off. And you think, well, okay, but is that ever really going to be used in real life? Well, yes, absolutely. We may have very complex chemical reactions. We may have very high-tech catalysis and equipment and we're designing these new molecules and everything. But ultimately, at the end of a chemical reaction, you've got a broth of spent material and product and you need to separate it out. And that's when very base chemistry comes into it. You can look at it and you think, all right, I've got my product there, but it's not very pure. I need to purify it. Okay, 
Is my product an acid? Is my product an alkali? Oh, my product's an acid. Okay, here's a procedure that I could do. I can react it with an alkali, and my acid in there will form a salt with that alkali. And what's the difference between a salt and that compound? That compound's not water-soluble. The salt will be water-soluble. So you can pull your product into the salt, and then you can push it back again. You can add more acid to free it up again. And right back to the vinegar and baking powder, one of the key components, the one that causes the fizzing, of the baking powder is bicarbonate of soda or sodium hydrogen carbonate and that would absolutely be used at manufacturing scale. The vinegar, the acid component there is acetic acid. Acetic acid is a bulk chemical used for exactly for these sorts of processes. And then the other techniques that people understand and learn at basic, if, if anyone's done a distillation in a school laboratory, doing that distillation at scale in a manufacturing environment, it's the same. If you can learn to do it at 14, you can apply it in later life. And it's not going to change because it, fundamentally that's what the chemistry is. Ultimately, when you work with people that don't have chemistry experience and you're talking about putting a process into a, a plant and they'll say, okay, can we mix that one and that one? Yes, you can mix those two chemicals. Can we mix that one and that one? No, they'll react. And if you don't have that basic or if you can't rely back on that basic chemistry, you're missing an opportunity really. So I think to keep that with you and to carry that knowledge and to not have to ask the question is a worthwhile skill to have. Leonie Briggs is a science teacher at a secondary school in Barnsley. Hello, I'm a science teacher. I currently work in Barnsley that's in South Yorkshire in the north of England and I'm very lucky that I get to work with loads of absolutely amazing super scientists. I work across key stage three and key stage four and either of my specialisms are chemistry and that's what my specialism in my teacher training was. I do teach biology, chemistry and physics. So I teach a broad spectrum of science. In the morning, we might be using the Bunsen burners. We might be investigating conservation mass by the afternoon. We might be doing a heart dissection or we might be having a, a discussion about global warming or climate change. Or we may then be doing an experiment with physics and looking into Hooke's Law. So I have a very, very varied teaching role in that every single day is different. We don't quite know what's going to be coming up. You might have planned your lessons, but somebody may ask an absolutely amazing question that takes you off at a slightly different tangent, or they may say, oh, can we try doing this, miss? So yeah, obviously science is all about investigating and trying new skills. So I really do encourage all of my students to ask questions as we go on throughout the lesson. I'm also a STEM ambassador because I really wanted to help inspire a new generation of scientists and I think a lot of people don't understand how you can use science in your career and all the opportunities that are out there. From being as young as I can remember, I always wanted to work in the veterinary profession. I wanted to help look after animals. So I actually started off and I trained to be a veterinary nurse. And I was one of the first 100 people to do the degree in veterinary nursing because it was quite a new qualification. So I became a veterinary nurse and I used to work in general practice where you might take your dog or your cat for its annual vaccinations or if something's happened. I then went on to work in a big orthopaedic referral centre. 
from there I went on to do my certificate in canine hydrotherapy. So I used to basically swim dogs and I used to run the hydrotherapy centre. And again, I was actually the first person in the country to gain my certificate in canine hydrotherapy. And I worked alongside City and Guilds as well to help develop that qualification. I then actually went to work for a big private college and we used to train veterinary nurses. I think secretly I had always wanted to be a teacher in the back of my mind, like in my bedroom when I was little, I did used to put up displays and I used to have, you know, like I'd read a book and I'd make a poster and have questions and displays all about it. Sadly, there aren't that many people who are training to be science teachers. There aren't that many of us around. Obviously, there's a good fair few, but not as many probably as we would like. I've really tried to develop STEM in schools and really emphasise that science is all around us all the time it's in everyday life and that people are doing jobs where they are using these skills that we are being taught in the classroom and because i've come from a science profession in the veterinary profession it's been really nice that i can relate that to the classroom i really really enjoy doing the chemistry side of it because when i was doing hydrotherapy i used to have to maintain all the water chemistry of the pool so again, I can then really relate those lessons to my students, to my scientists at school and say, oh, right, you know that chemical that we're using, that we're talking about? Oh, so example, chlorine. Well, we actually used to use that. We used to use this certain personal protection equipment and this is how it worked to clean the pool. We don't know what the jobs of the future are going to be. I don't know what the children in my classroom at the moment are going to be doing by the time we get to my age. I find it absolutely fascinating sometimes when I look out at these 28, 30 children and they might all be working so hard and I just think, oh, I can't wait to see what you do. I really do hope that you keep in touch with school and that we find out what you become. Because like said, some of them may be going on a mission to Mars or somebody might find a new element on the periodic table or somebody might help in research and developing a cancer treatment drug. We just don't, don't know where they're going to lead to. I'm joined by Yvonne. Yvonne is a lecturer at Nottingham Trent University. I'm a lecturer in biomedical engineering at Nottingham Trent University. I went to university, I did my undergrad degree in biomedical engineering, I did a postgraduate and master's in biomedical engineering, then pursued my PhD in tissue engineering. And after that, I did work as a researcher for a couple of years before I then joined Nottingham Trent University as an academic. My PhD was on interconnectivity of scaffolds. Okay, now what does this mean? It's on biomedical implants. So if you have a tissue damage, traditional methods would involve uh, surgery and really complicated uh, procedures, repeated surgeries, maybe for bone fracture, metal uh, implants, for example. As the idea was to create biomedical implants, artificial implants that can biodegrade over time and that would allow the body to heal itself, basically. And the idea was to look at different designs for it. How can you optimize the design of those implants to get the best cell infiltration and cell growth? I teach uh, undergraduate students year one, two and three in biomedical engineering across various modules. I teach tissue engineering, um, cell culture. I teach biomedical ethics, for example, regulation standards. So all these things I need to know. I work, of course, with my professors, with colleagues, so other academics. I work with our uh, fantastic technical team that we have at university, with our subject administrators, but I also work with my students. Let's work through this teaching session together, instead of me just standing on the front and, and telling them. 
nobody can do A-levels in all kinds of subjects. It's not possible, but you need a sound foundation in biomedical engineering and science. And biology, chemistry, I still used to, or I used to teach chemistry uh, of materials. So I needed a lot of chemistry background, chemistry knowledge, but also on a day-to-day -day base in the laboratory. If you need to prepare certain reagents and chemicals, I need to know about chemistry. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening and don't forget the full interviews will be released over the next week. If you're really interested in chemistry and want to find out more about all the different career opportunities involving chemistry, I recommend checking out the Royal Society of Chemistry's website and you can find the link for this in the podcast episode description. Thanks again for listening. Spotlight on STEM will be back soon with more interviews and episodes for you to enjoy. Mm-hmm.